0: Not gonna to speak today about the Israeli elections? I could, but I won't. As you may know, in my pre-Steven Wise days, that's what I used to do. I used to go around the country and give dozens of lectures right after uh, Israeli elections or important events, but it's much too complicated and uh, this is not the setting. If you wanna have a long discussion about that, Contact the Israel committee, we'll set something up and uh, it'd be my pleasure to do so. But let me just say this with respect to the elections. The disappointment expressed by so many people is so palpable. So that got me to reflecting on the nature of disappointment. Why does it seem that we always go through life ricocheting from one disappointment to another? Why does it seem that our candidates always lose? Why does it seem that the policies we favor never prevail? Why does it always seem that our opponents get the best of us? For that matter, why does it seem to us that no matter what we do, we never really succeed in our own personal ambitions? We just bounce around From disappointment to disappointment, sooner or later, our jobs seem to disappoint us, our colleagues disappoint us, our friends disappoint us, our family disappoints us, we disappoint ourselves. I'm disappointed in you is the worst admonition, far worse than I disagree with you or even I oppose you. It just seems that nothing comes easy. Everything is hard. Everything is a struggle. And we're destined to be disappointed. Jewish tradition diagnosed the problem and offered a remedy. The sages clarify, no person leaves this world with even half of his ambitions fulfilled. Why complain, say the rabbis? Isn't it enough that you're still alive? Such simple wisdom, such down-to-earth advice. If it seems to you that you are more disappointed than appointed, that so oft expectation fails and most oft there where most it promises. If your hopes are dashed more quickly than you can reformulate them. Welcome to this world. Welcome to humanity, say the rabbis. No one leaves this world with even half of his hopes fulfilled, not rulers, not potentates, not presidents, not prime ministers, not CEOs, not university presidents, not you, not me, no one. John Kennedy, in his seminal book, Profiles in Courage, described the sentiments of John Quincy Adams, who had served as president, secretary of state, congressional leader, Harvard professor, an American minister to major European powers, he had a long and exceptionally productive and successful career. At age 70, looking back on his life, Adams wrote this in his diary, My whole life has been a succession of disappointments. I can scarcely recollect a single instance of success in anything that I undertook. What is the Jewish remedy for this overwhelming sense of disappointment? The sages complain. Why complain? Isn't it enough that you're still alive? In other words, what is your expectation? Not to be disappointed? Never? Only sometimes? but not too much? Isn't it enough that you're alive? Are you disappointed in that that you're still alive? It is in the nature of life to be disappointed. In fact, implicit in the diagnosis is the advice. Don't get too disappointed in disappointment. If we're not so often disappointed, we would not be happy. We would be bored, disappointed in our lives of no disappointment. If we are not deeply disappointed, we do not have high enough expectations. For it is only expectations that create disappointment. If we don't have expectations to begin with, There is no reason to be disappointed. Remember how Paul Simon put it? I am a rock. I am an island. I've built walls, a fortress steep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and loving I disdain. If I never loved, I never would have cried. Hiding in my room safe within my womb. I touch no one and no one touches me. And a rock feels no pain. An island never cries. But to have no friends, because to lose friends causes pain. To have no love, because love brings tears. To have no expectations because expectations bring inevitable disappointment is to live an unworthy life. Expectation creates a culture of change and progress. Nothing would be invented and nothing would change if we did not have high expectations. In fact, discoverers testify that they usually fail—the urge to discover is to fail. To expect results is to guarantee disappointment. We don't really learn anything until our hopes are dashed. Marcel Proust put it this way, infirmity alone makes us take notice and learn. A little insomnia is not without its value in making us appreciate Sleep. We were born for disappointment. We live to be disappointed. It gives us pleasure. It gives us satisfaction. No disappointment, no satisfaction. Pleasure exists because what we know what pain feels like. Success is so pleasurable because we know failure. Health is so precious because we know disease. When do we finally reach that stage of not being disappointed? The rabbis say, when we're dead. Or, as Paul Simon wrote, when we're dead inside. And since we cannot live life in reverse, starting life dead with no disappointment, the solution is not to eliminate disappointment. It is not to become a rock or an island. It is not to live lives of no ambition, no risk, no reward, all fear of disappointment. The solution is to learn to live with disappointment. Learn to live with it. Would you rather be dead? Commenting on God's test of Abraham and asking him to sacrifice Isaac, Nachmanides' Ramban wrote, God tests the person in order to bring potential into the realm of action. All the tests in the Torah are for the benefit of the one being challenged. That's what our lives are about, to bring potential into the realm of action. And the only way to do that is to be challenged. If we were not challenged, our potential would not be tapped and brought into the realm of action. But to be tested, to test others, to challenge ourselves, to have high expectations of others is to guarantee disappointment because so many of those expectations will not materialize. And the solution is to work harder. Rabbi Eliezer said, every person was born to strive. Tennyson wrote, to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. That's the solution. Your side did not win an election. Strive. Strive harder, higher. Strive to seek, to find, and not to yield. You didn't fill your ambitions. Strive. Strive harder, higher, to seek, to find, and not to yield. We need that in our lives. We need challenges. We need opponents. We need to feel like there are barbarians at the gate, and our actions will make a difference. If there are no barbarians, there are no heroes. There was an early 20th century Greek poet named C.P. Kavafi. He wrote a magnificent poem called Waiting for the Barbarians. It speaks to us as individuals, but also has national relevance. He wrote, What are we waiting for? Assembled in the forum, the barbarians are due here today. Why isn't anything going on in the Senate? Why are the senators sitting there without legislating? Because the barbarians are coming today. What's the point of the senators making laws now? Once the barbarians are here, they'll do the legislating. Why did our emperor get up so early? And why is he sitting enthroned at the city's main gate, in state, wearing the crown? Because the barbarians are coming today and the emperor is waiting to receive their leader. He's even got a scroll to give him, loaded with titles with imposing names. Why don't our distinguished orators turn up as usual to make their speeches, say what they have to say? Because the barbarians are coming today and they're bored by rhetoric and public speaking. Why this sudden bewilderment, this confusion, how serious people's faces have become? Why are the streets and squares emptying so rapidly? Everyone's going home lost in thought. Because night has fallen and the barbarians haven't come. And some of our men just in from the border say, there are no barbarians any longer. Now what's going to happen to us without the barbarians? Those people were a kind of solution.